With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You are listening to another version of All Ball. And by the way, uh, I've been blown away, blown away by the feedback from so many of you basketball people who have listened to this. Coaches, administrators, players, fans, like, you know, you start doing a podcast and we kind of started this thing from scratch and like, I just kind of want to do, you know, my own way of talking basketball with people. And uh, the feedback has been amazing. So if you like something, write a review, subscribe, download, rate, yada, 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 but also tweet it out, send it to your friends. There's, there's a clip in there or something that that's poignant. I learned something from every person I talk to on this thing. And uh, I think it's, I think it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I guess I could go off on things going on in college basketball. If you want it, it's really fun to watch all this thing come together. I'm actually recording these now from Indianapolis where the bubble is going to be. I'm not going to be in the bubble for long at all. I'm actually just covering the big 10. Then I'll be doing the studio for Westwood one, but uh, we, we have a bunch of people and, uh, we're going to load them up so that if you have your phone and you got time, we're going to fill up your ears with some really cool pods. This one, I'm really happy with. Justin Bean is one of my favorite players to broadcast. And uh, he's one of these guys that when you watch him play, you're like, is he real? Right? Or is he? I, I, you have to watch him play. He just, he's a 
I guess a power forward for Utah State. Um, technically, they'd be size of a small forward, right? He's like six seven, but uh, strong built kid, good athlete, not great athlete, but gets a ton done. And uh, Nemi Kata is their best pro prospect. Um, I love this kid, Raleigh Worcester, uh, Worcester, who's their freshman point guard from Missoula, Montana. We'll get him on like next year, he's got plenty of years left. Anyway, Justin is one of those straw that serves the drink. He does all these little things, but he's an incredible rebounder. Incredible. Just constantly in perpetual motion. So uh, it's it's like a two different, <laughs> we recorded this at two different times. At one time, they're on the bus from Logan to Vegas. And then I had to call a game, the CAA championship game. It's kind of loud anyway. And so then we record the rest of it when he got to Vegas in his hotel room. So first, Justin, Utah State, thanks for all the time. You're going to love this kid. And there's a bunch of stuff in there that I didn't know. Do you know what what it's like to go on a Mormon mission? I didn't. You think they all go to a foreign country, right? They don't. So where do they go? What do they do? How do they find out? Can they play basketball? What's it like to preach to people? What do you eat? You know, how much do you get to call your parents? And how do you end up at Utah State when he didn't have any scholarship offers at a high school? So all of that is in here. And and then some. You're going to love this. It's really fun. Um, but he's just one of those guys that I feel better getting to know him. Right? Like, you ever have listened to some of that like that in your life? You're like, wow, like, that's a really good guy. So, yeah, maybe I'll do some college basketball stuff on the back end of it because I don't want to take away from it. I have to, by rule, I think, promote that my the Doug Gottlieb show is daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12, 3 Pacific. And uh, you can download that podcast. You can listen to it, whatever. Thanks so much. Here's my talk with Star of Utah State. I think he's still the reigning Mountain West Conference Player of the Week, Justin Bean. Let's start at the beginning, not birth, okay? <laughs> High school basketball, Southmore, Oklahoma. How long ago was that? Oh, gosh. I graduated. It will be six years after this summer. So, yeah, since I was a senior. I'm an old man. So you, you, were, you were a freshman in what year? I was a freshman in 2011. Okay, so you're so it's ten okay, years. So Trey Young is how many years younger than you? Uh, he is two, two years, I believe. Two years okay, younger. So than you. you're a senior. What do you remember uh-huh. about your matchups? Okay, because he was at uh, he <laughs> yeah. was at Norman North. Norman North. Yep. Yeah. So okay, we're in and, the same conference. Yes. And, so what do you remember um, yeah, about playing against Trey? Uh, well, I remember. His his senior year, first of all, I remember that he averaged four like over forty a game. Um, but when I played him, it was only about only it was only about twenty five or twenty six. Um, but yeah, every time we played him, I mean, it was literally just force him at half court. Um, just don't let him don't let him get any room, any space. And me personally, I I didn't match up with him a ton, but I do remember one play. He uh, drove baseline, and I was the low hole guy. I was the secondary defender. I come over. I get a tip. I get like a little block. I wouldn't call it a block. It's more like a little tip. 
and it goes out of bounds. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. You know, I, I just blocked Trey Young. And uh, <laughs> next play, they run an out of bounds play where he just pops up, literally gets the ball half court, takes two dribbles, and just nails it. And uh, so that was my claim to fame is that I may have blocked Trey Young, but then I have to tell people the next play he dotted us up from, from 30 plus. So. <laughs> That's about Sorry. how that. That's about how that went. It's, how how good were you in high school? I feel like I was really good in high school. Um, I, I averaged my junior year was was really when I I was playing my best basketball um, before my injury. I was averaging like 19 points, 11 rebounds, um, and I was first team all conference that year. And the week before playoffs, I tore my ACL. So the week before the state playoffs, uh, tore my ACL and I was out you know, for six months. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I was a good player in high school. I definitely, I was, I was the guy on our team, like the, the number one option. Um, I was also the tallest. So I, I had a lot of matchups where I was guarding, you know, one through four, sometimes the five man. So I was able to get a lot of rebounds, you know? So, um, but yeah, that's kind of how high school. Went. Um, also Moore is known for the tornadoes, right? But I, yes. but one was when you were really, really young. Right, and then there's another one. You were a little bit older. You, you remember? You remember either of the, the big tornadoes? Yeah, one of them was. I was really young. It was uh, 1999, so I was about three years old. That one actually hit our hit our house. It was a rental home, um, but that one totally just knocked it out. We weren't there. We drove off. We we heard there was a tornado coming. You get about 30 minutes heads up, and uh, you just get everything in the car and load up and leave. And then the one that just hit in 2013 was. Uh, the one that the more tornado, another famous one, F5, um, knocked out my elementary school, um, our hospital, you know, a lot of homes. Um, Where were about you? About 30. You were gone. Though, I right? was, um, not for that one. For that one, we were just at home, just in our safe room. So mom, mom ran and checked me out of school. I was in practice. Uh, she came in, checked me out, didn't even go through the administration. She literally just came in and said, you're coming with me. And, uh, my coach couldn't really argue with that. So. Coach Brown just let her let her take me home and took one of my teammates with me as well. And we just all eight of us were just loaded up in the in the safe room and just waited it out. Thankfully it it touched down, you know, and right near us and miles south of us, and then it lifted up right over us and then hit right in the center of the city. So we got really lucky for that one. But yeah, tornadoes are, are definitely not a new thing for my family. It, it's a uh Oklahoma obviously a very Christian area. Um I don't feel like there's a big Mormon population. What what oh. what was that like to grow up Mormon in an area that though you know, and I understand it's a different form of Christianity, but what what, what was that experience like for you? Uh, it was unique for sure. Um, in my high school, there was about two thousand people, and there were about I want to say four four or five members of my church out of the two thousand. So. Um, definitely got some good questions. I got some funny questions by a lot of people. You know, I asked if I could donate blood. I've been asked if I could donate blood before, if I celebrate my birthday, um, uh, you name it, man. Right. So right. They, because it's, it's interesting. So I'm, I'm Jewish. And so, okay. Yeah. You get the same like questions. It's like, that's not actually our religion. Yeah. Like, are you circumcised? No. <laughs> you like, Actually, yeah. <laughs> Jewish people were the ones, the first ones to be circumcised. Right? Exactly. But you, right. you don't want to be condescending because yeah. they, they, they're oh, interested. No. They don't know. But yeah. it really is amazing on how people who, and it's not like a non-religious, it, I don't, I feel like it comes from a decent place, but it's just one of sure. like, you're just so different sure. than everybody. 
Exactly. No doubt. And yeah, it's, it's cool that you can relate to that because it's true. I don't know where people get their information. And like you said, they're not trying to be condescending in any way. They're genuinely curious. They're genuinely sometimes like fearful for me. They're like, dude, like, what are you doing with your life? But it's like, that really is, it was a good opportunity for me though, because it gave me a chance to, you know, to tell them exactly like what I believe and um, how I live my life. So it was a good opportunity for me. I loved it. And then coming to Utah, it's, it's a lot different. So it was honestly a culture shock for me being a, being a member of the church, being a Mormon, coming to Utah where there is so much more. So it's kind of just the norm. It's, it's, it's I, I can't tell you how, how similar it must be for you. I played basketball in Israel and I remember the first time I went there, they had the Maccabi Games. It's like the Jewish Olympics. And okay. you're like looking around, you're like, wait, everybody here is Jewish? <laughs> that is yeah. so weird. Yeah, and then you funny. also find out, and I think Utah's a little bit like this, like just because everybody's Mormon doesn't mean they're practicing Mormon. There's like different right. levels of commitment to the sure. church, right? Sure. And so Absolutely. it must be, but did, uh, we'll get to Utah in a second. Okay, so yeah. were you being, before you tore your ACL, were you being recruited? Um, honestly, no, not, not really locally. Um, there were some D2s, Division two schools that had reached out. But everything that we had done to uh, make contact with any schools in Utah was by email. My dad would just send emails, basically just spammed a bunch of teams with, uh, with my highlight tape. And um, yeah, that's because I, I decided that I wanted to play college basketball around my sophomore year because I felt like I was good enough at that point. But it really, for me, that wasn't something I grew up saying, I'm going to play in college. Like it, it, it wasn't really that kind of a mindset for me until sophomore, junior year. And I saw, like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I can hang with, with these guys. Like, I think I have a shot. And so my dad, you know, he obviously played in college. And I'd always had that kind of upbringing and that foundation of collegiate basketball. And so I learned a lot from him and just kind of picking his brain about what it was like. And that's really how it started, though. Literally, we, I was not recruited at all, really. Um, our team wasn't great. We were, like, we were middle of the pack, I would say, all throughout my four years. Um and that's just kind of how our team was. Our, I had a great coach, obviously. You met Coach Brown, my high school coach, and can't say enough good things about him. But yeah, it was just, it's just how it was. Okay, so, so how does it work with your mission in terms of when you decide? Because you can go to college for a year and then go, but right. you went straight out of high school. How does that whole process right. work? Yeah, so that actually the age change was a big deal. So it used to be, you had to be 19 years old to go on a mission and you had to have at least a year after high school before you could go. But then they changed it like two years before I left. So all my brothers went when they were 19. So they did a year of college, a year of school. And for me, I felt like going right out of high school definitely helped me, you know, um, just being able to just get right out, go do it for two years and just have to be focused on that. And then, um, just be able to come back and, and know exactly you know what I was going to do. But to, to be honest, I didn't know, and you know that I didn't know what I was going to do halfway through my mission or even a few months left. So kind of a crazy story. So you go on a mission and you're in you're in you're in Reno, right? All these dudes get like yeah. foreign countries. You're like, where am I going to go? You know, it's going to be <laughs> oh, amazing, yeah. amazing culture. Oh, yeah. Maybe the Philippines, oh, yeah. maybe South Your America. Language. You get Reno. What was Reno. your reaction when you got Reno? Well, I didn't even pronounce it right. I, I pronounced it Reno when I read the mission call. That's great. So, so yeah. They'll appreciate I, that I, when they hear this, you know, for the Mountain West tournament, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. But, uh, yeah, it was an honest mistake. But, no, I, 
I mean, I knew that it was going to be, you know, in the States and I wasn't going to be speaking another language. And there's, there's pros and cons to that because learning a language in that span of time was really tough. My brothers, they've all done it. And so, but for me, I was just like, all right, cool. I just get to speak my language and get right to work and go teach people. So um, that part of it, though, being in Reno, you know, there's some things you just can't forget about Reno and being there and just the people and everything. But it definitely. What, okay. Give me one. Give me one interaction. You knock on somebody's door and go. <laughs> All right. Let's see. There was, um, well, one of my companions, I won't say his name, but uh, we were driving downtown through the strip and we had just had sushi. We just had some all you can eat sushi at a restaurant and we are driving home and we're pulling up right under the Reno sign, the biggest little city in the world. Everyone yeah, yeah. knows about it. And literally right in the middle of that intersection, he's, he's driving and I'm in the passenger seat and he just, just stops, just puts the car in park, opens the door and just starts like throwing up. And then all the, the next thing you know, there's people just like homeless people just sitting on the, on the side of the street and they're yeah. running over there. Food poisoning? Because of, yeah. Yeah. I think it was just food poisoning, just bad sushi. And so there's people running over to the middle of the street and they're just like, everyone just like laughing and they're just all like, like almost like just dancing, like parading around my companion. And I'm just like, what is going on? So I get out of the car and there's still traffic being backed up. So I'm over here like directing traffic while my companion just puking his guts out. And there's homeless people just circling around us, just laughing and just like, who knows what they're doing and what they're on. But um, it, that was definitely like an unforgettable experience. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun, such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Were you ever homesick? Uh, yeah, I was. I'd say the first first few months, I think everyone is. Um, I was definitely more of a homebody growing up. Um, you know, I did things like scout camp and for a week at a time, but I'd never been away from home. And so my brothers had all been away from home after that. After high school, they had a year of going to school, but I didn't have any experience. So it was literally just thrown me into the, into the wolves. But I definitely grew a lot. Now we're off the bus, by the way. If you're watching the video version of this, it's kind of cool. I caught you. I was about to do a game, uh, the CAA championship, and you were on the on the bus. Uh, I want to get to your thoughts on that long bus ride, or whatever from, uh, from from Logan. But okay, so you're in Reno, and you're a missionary. Yeah. So this is an honest question, and again, this is kind of like what we were talking about with Oklahoma. What's yeah. your day like? I people don't know. Like we we know tie, white shirt, short sleeve. <laughs> I heard you say you were in a car, but I'm used to like used to guys in a bike, right? Yeah. What's give, give me the setup? Where are you sleeping? Uh, mm-hmm. How do you have money? What do you do? What's your day like? Um, definitely not glamorous, that's for sure. The white shirts and ties. I mean, that's about as as good as it gets. And so we wake up. We have a pretty pretty strict schedule as far as you know when we need to be up by. Um, what we need to be doing throughout the day. And that's why you have a companion. The whole point of having a companion is so you can, you know, hold each other accountable. You're not just out doing your own thing. Um, and so we wake up 6.30 every morning. Um, you have 30 minutes of exercise every morning. You and your companion. Okay, wait, wait, so, wait, so, wait. so where, where, are you li- where are you living? Where are you living? From? Oh, yeah. So, so Reno, it, you live in different areas. Usually a missionary for 24 months, you get transferred roughly about four times, three, four times, depending. It just depends on how long you're in a spot for. So I was actually in my first area. I was in Elko, Nevada. So eastern Nevada, super rural, lots of farming, cattle ranching, mining. And so moving to Reno, that was probably my third area. And it was the, the longest area. So I was there for six months. And during that time, I lived in downtown Reno, um, just outside the, the Legacy Hotel on pine street like a two bedroom probably like 600 to 800 square feet i'm not sure exactly how big but it was super nasty um the bathroom was really dingy missionaries kind of filter in and out of that same apartment so whenever you go you replace someone else so you're literally just living it's it's kind of like a hotel honestly you're just kind of filtering in and out so wait do you have the same companion when you're in elko as you do in your reno no so that changes as well yes i had i had about 11 new 11 companions probably 11 or 12 because sometimes i was in a trio so that shakes it all up so you don't just see two guys on bikes you see three of them 
And you see a guy that's six seven and another guy that was six five, who was my companion at the time in Reno. So we were living. Who's that? Who, who's the guy? Twin Towers. Uh, his name was Davin Lyman, Elder Lyman. So um, that's my companion. Uh, he was yeah one of my one of my best friends. Uh, we served in Sparks as well um, together. So yeah, it was. So that's pretty Wait, much. So you served in Sparks before. Um, I served in Sparks before. And then, so, 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 do like, do you know? I know you get like an envelope when you first find out, but you're in Sparks and you have Gavin, and you guys, you're good on your better friends' companions then. Yeah. And then you're in Reno, and then all of a sudden, like, knock at the door. It's him, or did you know he was like, how do you, how do you find oh, yeah. out who you have a new companion? Yeah. So you don't know him beforehand. So you're all, I mean, you find out the day before transfer. So there's a transfer day every Tuesday, every six weeks. So there's a transfer day, and sometimes you get transferred sometimes you stay so you just get notified like that's sunday before um who decides this stuff the the mission president so the mission president himself um he yeah he he pretty much designates kind of where where missionaries are going to be at he's he's super organized he also has two missionaries um that are kind of working with him like kind of his assistants that's what the term is and so they'll help him kind of stat out where each missionary has been um, prior living conditions and kind of like where, where they all end up. And so, yeah, it's, there's a lot of structure. It doesn't seem like it, but there is. Um, okay. So six in the morning, you get up and you're in this dingy apartment and you have to exercise, right? And yep. what would you do? <laughs> I mean, we didn't have really anything. We didn't have weights. We didn't have a, like a machine, a bench press. So I literally would just get up and we'd go on a run. So we'd run downtown Reno. Um, streets are pretty it's quiet in the morning. Wow. Six thirty in the morning. It was cold. It was freezing. Yeah. It was, it was bitter. It's not like Plus just the, the, the people watching at six thirty in the morning. Oh, oh yeah. You, it was good. It kept me entertained. I didn't need music to listen to. I just, just look at where, where I was going, see a lot of fun things, but, uh, a lot of interesting artwork, you know, all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was pretty much how the morning went and you just, um, okay. So six thirty seven, you exercise. What do you do at seven? Then at seven, you get home, shower, eat breakfast, um, get ready for the day. It takes about, you know, 45 to an hour, roughly. Get on your white shirt and tie. And, uh, that's what you're in for the whole day for the rest of the, rest of the night. So, and you're, and you're just, and, and is there, is there a plan when you go and you're, and you're preach and preaching the gospel, right? When you're, when you're going and you have the Book of Mormon in your hand and you're knocking at doors, is there a plan? Hey, we're going to go this street today do they does their mission president tell you where to go like how does it work how does it work again remember we're yeah. talking to people who are complete outsiders we don't for sure. know for sure yeah so every uh every morning um right after you eat breakfast and you get ready for the day you, you get an hour of studying so you study by yourself for an hour and then you get companionship study so then you come you, you and your companion get together and you study and then you plan what you're doing the whole day so you literally just plan Okay, from from twelve to two, we're gonna go on this street. We're gonna we're gonna do what's called street contacting. So in my mission, I didn't do a lot of knocking doors. We didn't do a lot of tracting, is what we called it. Just knocking. What's it called? It's called tracting. Just when you just go door to door. I don't know where that was derived from, but that's that's the term. Um, but yeah, we just did a lot of street contacting. And so you just go on the street and you just literally just look for any any stranger, anyone that's that's breathing, and you go and talk to them. And try and start up a conversation to him and teach him about Jesus Christ and, and then our message. And so that's literally what it was like. We also had appointments though. So we when we meet with someone, you get a return appointment, get their contact info, and then 
that's someone you could potentially go see that day. So you just have to to call them. A lot of them, you know, didn't call back. We get in cards, they they never respond. But you get some that would. And so you'd be like, all right, we're gonna go see John at, at three o'clock at his house and and go and meet him. So it literally just depended on you know the day. Some days were super super dry, not a lot of contacts, um, not a lot of success. It felt like didn't get to talk to a lot of people. Um, but there are also days where our schedules were super full and and we talked to a lot of people and set up a lot of lessons so there's there's something about you you have an air of positivity that is really remarkable and i don't know if it's just because you're playing basketball now and you're in a good place but i've i've noticed it for the past couple years and watching you as as just in my job you know um there's a the famous princeton coach was a guy named pete carrill and pete had an expression and his one of his former point guards when they beat UCLA, his point guard was Sidney Johnson. Sidney's a friend of mine, and he uh, he was the head coach at Fairfield. <clears throat> and he said that Pete used to Pete used to say, you know, he wants people that are light bulbs. Light bulbs light up every room, and that's that's your personality. But everybody has a day in which sometimes you're off, you miss your family. You know, I mean, life of a missionary is not easy. Wow. So when you when you're when you're when you're reflecting and you're reading, was there is there a passage? Is there something that you would when you had a tough day that you would read that you would study that would kind of bring you back and reset you? Hmm. That's a good yeah, that's a great question. There were definitely days. Um and you know, when you're a missionary, you're you're always supposed to try and, and look happy and, and look because you know the you are the message, you know, you're not just just telling people it's not just lip service, you know, you have to to act and just to be, you know, happy. And it's hard sometimes to do that. But I, I definitely do mean this when I say that even though I, I did have bad days, I never had a doubt that, that things would get better or that there would be, um, you know, light at the end of the tunnel if it, if it was a tough day or not. And I think a lot of that stems from just how I grew up, how I was raised. Um, my family was always super supportive of me. They're always really real with me and they didn't force me, you know, to come out there. They they always made it a priority to let me and my brothers know because I had three older brothers that all served missions before me. So it's not like I was the pioneer, you know, I was, I had a lot of experience to learn from. Um, but yeah, there was my, there was a time where I was super, super down in the dumps. It was my second area uh, in Fallon, Fallon, Nevada. And um, we had mice in our apartment. So that was, that was probably the worst place I lived was, was in Fallon, um, just this little white house. And it was super nasty, <laughs> but <laughs> There were times when I I just I read my dad's email that he sent me and he he attached a, a copy of the race by D H Grover I don't know if you've, if you've read it or yeah. not but but that was a big um, you know a lift for me and obviously there's a lot of scriptures you know in the in the Book of Mormon and, and also the Bible that that I used to to help me and I use that for other people and so but I think that the race um, that totally changed my mindset you know. It's it's not about how many times you fall, but it is truly about, you know, what you're going to do when adversity hits and, and how you react to that. And so I've carried that with me, you know, to Utah State just throughout my life. And, and I definitely know that I am the player that I am because because I served a mission. And that's I yeah, so I really do believe that. Um, OK, so uh, I told a story on air. Oh, go for, first thing before we get to that. So I also, you know, I, I was saying how nobody's going to want to guard you church ball. Now, what you don't know is, so I grew up in a town, I grew up in Orange, California. Okay. Right? Oh, yeah. And, um, 
And there's a Mormon church that was down the street from my school and a buddy named Rick Ray was Mormon. And Rick, we used to sneak into the Mormon church and we play ball. That's, that's, that's the only indoor gym near where I grew up because California, everything's outdoors and the, the middle schools even don't have gyms, whatever. So we'd sneak in there. Um, so I know all about like Mormon church ball. And then when I was in Canton, Connecticut, mm-hmm. uh, brother Anderson lived across the street from me. He's a Utah state alum. And um, his son went to the Philippines. He's got a great, incredible family. And then across the street, um, uh, and then uh, uh, across the street were the Wahlburgers, and they're also a Mormon family. The Permenters were across the street, the, up the street. They're a Mormon family. Anyway, so I and there was a there was a Mormon temple in like, Avon, um, and there's a Mormon church uh, in our town, or whatever. So every Mormon church has a basketball gym. But you're a missionary and you're telling me there's no hoop. So did you get to play basketball at all? Mm-hmm. Um, every Monday. Well, not every Monday. Most Mondays, you know, our P day, preparation day. That's when I would play, you know, probably like an hour, hour and a half. And so it was me, it was myself and then some other missionaries in our in our area. So in Reno, there were probably like 20 missionaries, 20 of us. Um, and a couple of companionships were sister missionaries. So they're females. Um, and so, yeah, we, we play every Monday, you know, you do all your grocery shopping, you write your family and you go to the church. So yeah, we had a key, you know, to the church building and, um, that was at that time. So it was probably, yeah. Well, like, people like, dude, you got to play when you're done. You, you got it. Like, or, or <laughs> were you so, were you so yeah. like out of it and out of shape that, oh, that it was, it was bad. Well, you got to keep in mind, uh, there's a lot of people that none of us are in shape. Like we're all bad, but because I'd had the most experience you know, and I still wanted to play. I still was, I still would say I was disciplined, you know, in my eating habits. At the last year of my mission, I told, cause we eat at members homes, members of the church, they feed us yeah. each night. And uh, I told them, I'm like, I'm not having dessert. Like, I know you're going to, going to cook it, but I'm not having it. Some of them thought that was cool, but most of them were like, are you serious? Like that, what are you doing? We're here to feed you. Like you got to eat. And I'm <laughs> like, no, I, I got to play some basketball after this. I, I'm going to lay low. But, but yeah, no, I, at the GSR, the the Grand Sierra Resorts, so that's like the biggest hotel and casino in Reno. Um, yeah, so they stayed there. My mission presence, like, hey, I'll take you. Let's go. Where is this at? And so we go, we pull in, and we take we take like three steps in the lobby, in the main lobby. Open the doors. The cigarette smoke hits us like a like a wave. And my mission presence, I just kind of look at him. And he's just like, his eyes are just big. He's just like, uh, <laughs> we're both just like, like shocked. Cause you're in such a, uh, a reserved and like protected environment as a missionary and even him as well. Like he wasn't under the same guidelines we were, like he could have a little more freedom with some things. But for us, for me, it was just like, what is going on? Like I had not been used, to, hadn't seen any of this in like a year and a half. So, um, yeah. So he, Spencer comes and he can just tell, you know, the words of like, not comfortable. So he's just like, oh, my bad. Like, hey, uh, uh, that's we can go somewhere else. And then my president's just like, oh, yeah, I saw Subway like across the street. Let's go. <laughs> so it was him. He, he initiated it. And then we just literally just walked over. It's about a couple blocks away from the hotel and just sat in there. Got me a chicken bacon ranch, six inch. Didn't want to seem like I was six a Didn't go 10 inch because you're didn't trying to stay in shape, right? Exactly. I don't want to make it bad. No chips or did you bake chips? Did you do no the big days? <laughs> no chips. I, I don't do baked chips. If I'm going to cheat, I'm it's, gonna... it's disgusting. If you do chips, do chips, right? But exactly. You get it. Um, so yeah, we were just sitting there and 
Okay. And so was his sale, you were going to get a scholarship, you were going to walk on and have a chance to play. Like, what was his honest pitch to you? Yeah, his his honest pitch was literally just um, we have a preferred walk on spot. And he, he's, he did say, though, that they were looking at another guy. He said, they're, we're looking at another guy. He's 6'9", 230 out of Juco. Can't remember which Juco, but it was the coaches were just trying to decide between like a stretch four, like a more versatile player like me, or if they wanted a traditional um, post player. And so you're I only a stretch four when I show up, by the way. I just want to point that out. <laughs> yeah. You're a shrink four on the scatter report, a stretch four when I show up. So no doubt. No no d- <laughs> I love it. I love it. I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what the mindset so, was. So you, you walk away from it and did you call your dad that this role want to go or what, what was the, cause what was the decision like? Yeah, well, I, I was all in, I, I was like, yeah, this is great. You know, my mom went to school here. Um, seems like a great opportunity. Obviously Spencer, um, was a, a great player for him. My dad knew him really well. And so I, I trusted him. And so that was kind of the contact that I wanted to, to, kind of take a step further and just be like, yeah, this is where I want to go. But on his end, he just said, we still got to talk things out, see where the season, how we end up. And uh, we'll let you know in about a month. So I, I still had no knowledge of if I was even going to go there still. Um, so I found out he sent me an email like a month later and I get it on Monday and I open it up and he's like, congratulations. Like we got a spot for you. You can walk on. And for me, I was like, I just won the lottery. Like, it was like, no way. Like, this is, this is awesome. This is just what I wanted. So I'm over there typing, you know, like a hundred words per minute, telling the fam. And, um, it was, that was the one time I wish in my mission that I could have just called them up. Oh, you can't make phone calls? You can only, well, now you can. When I was a share, they, uh, they changed some guidelines. Yeah. You can only call Mother's Day and Christmas twice a year. So there's no, no, now you can like Zoom, now you like FaceTime. Yeah, you. yeah. Now you, yeah, they went, they went soft on it, but they, uh, yeah, no, it's just it's emails, all huh? Just hotmail account. It was it a hotmail or did you, AOL.com? What did you have? Uh, it, it was myLDSmail.net. MyLDSmail.net. <laughs> so, so, I didn't know you guys had your own server. It's got oh, your yeah. own server. Okay, we do. So, um, okay, so what? When does the mission end? What time of year do you use mission end? Yeah. Um, for everyone, it's different. For me, I got there in August and some missionaries have the option to, to go home, transfer early. And for me, I, I wanted to do that because they had been starting workouts. And so I got home end of June 2017 is when I got home. And then they were going on an Italy trip um, to go play two weeks later. So I literally just had a couple weeks to work out and get there. So it was literally like off the plane take the shirt and tie off, get the practice gear on and let's go. And who'd you, where'd you work out? Just, uh, the, the Estes. I just flew right to, right to Logan. Um, after I got home, I was there for a few days and then just flew out, did some workouts and yeah, that's how it started off. So how did you play when you hadn't played in so long? What do you think? <laughs> it was bad. Uh, but, but they're it used bad. to it, right? Cause I mean, like, like yeah. they are used to it. They're like, they this are. is how guys look. For sure. But I think in my case, I did have that few months of working out, getting back in shape for me, like Brock Miller, he got, he got off his mission in February end of February that year. And then he had a few months to get back in shape and, and get the rust off. And so I'm like calling him and asking him about like drills and stuff that's going on. And just like my head is spinning. And that first week of workouts, I, I just questioned, I was like, am I, is this really the right idea? How sore like, would you, not- God, you have been so sore. <laughs> oh, that was like, the most sore uh, I've ever been. 
my whole uh, life. So I was told the story that I was told was, hey, did you go to Italy with him? No, but there no, was some workout on the way it. before Italy where they're all like, we got a dude here. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. Well, tell me about it. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's called the Celtic drill and uh, the Celtic drill. I don't know how long it's been around or who's what teams have used it, but basically it was just a, a conditioning drill and you had to touch, you had to go down and back just full court um, end to end. 26 27 times in two and a half minutes and it's one of those things where you can't really plan it out and know how hard it is until you do it and um but coach nelson he gave, gave me a heads up he said hey there's a conditioning test all the guys have to pass it before workouts start and for you you're gonna have to pass it the day you get there so like you better be you know getting in shape and i'm like all right 30 minutes it's all i got <laughs> each morning and so but i did i when we we uh went to the track every morning for the time that I was there and I literally would just run sprints just just by myself um 26 times and uh I did that every morning until for about three months probably and so I, I get there and and all the guys are like oh man who's this kid he looks pretty out of shape but I I tell you what I was I was conditioned to do that drill I don't know I couldn't do anything <laughs> else yeah couldn't dribble couldn't shoot, couldn't do anything, but I could, I could run 26 times better than anyone on that team. And, uh, and I did, I, I smoked everybody. I mean, all those guys, you know, Sam and, um, reporter Diogo Brito. I mean, I, I finished two laps ahead of them and, uh, it still was, it still was hard. We were all just, you know, coughing. Our lungs were, were just dead, but that was the one thing that they were like, man, like Bean's got, he's got energy, man. Like he's, he's got something. So. That was I definitely used that to my advantage, you know, going forward. I was like, if anyone's gonna gonna work as hard as me, you know, they they've got another thing coming. So uh when when did you get the scholarship? It was January of twenty twenty. Yeah, January twenty twenty. Okay, so 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 we'll get to that in one no, second. 19, 19. Okay, we'll get to that in one second. Coaching change happened when? That happened the year after. So I, yeah, I registered that year, all year, and then Coach Smith came in that summer. So. Okay, so but Coach Durier was the first coach that ever talked to you, heard you. You know, he'd been a lifetime assistant there, and obviously things kind of went went sideways, right? The AD that hired him left, Scott Barnes left, went to Pitt, whatever. So like now, all of a sudden, you're thrusting like this is big time basketball, where yeah. everybody yeah. from Coach Morrill's clan was gone, yeah. and they hire some guy from South Dakota. Who no one knew. What was what was your first interaction with him like? Um, it was my first interaction with Coach Smith was that I mean I didn't know what to expect. I but when I first heard him speak, I'm just like this dude has charisma, like more than than any coach or any honestly any person really. He's just so energetic. Like the moment you you see him and and just interact with him, you just want to like just like a brick wall or so you just want to do something you just want to get up and, and get active and just go for it and so he's always been able to to channel that and and help us do the same and so um but yeah i honestly with like the scholarship and everything i, I wondered i had questions because i had worked that whole first year to, to get better get back in shape and then new coach comes in so it's like all right like i'm starting from scratch again so yeah, you gotta prove yourself again you got to prove yourself. But the first meeting I ever had with him, he just said, after seeing me a couple workouts, he's just like, being like, you're the type of player that we, that we like, like in our system, like being able to, to move without the ball, 
and just your energy, your activity. And because he, you know, I hadn't proved myself in any other aspect of my game at that point. And so being able to dribble, um, rebounding, you know, he, had, he didn't know that either. So, but he still gave me that confidence to say, okay, let's roll with it. Let's see what Coach Smith from South Dakota can do with Utah State. And so I'm glad I, I'm glad I stuck around. I had thoughts of, of maybe transferring, maybe going to my dad's alma mater. But again, I, I wouldn't have had a scholarship. And so that was the best thing to do. So I, Okay. So, uh, what was Sam like? Sam's great. He was great from day one. Um, he's always been a, a calm, composed, just, uh, I'd say on the court, he's, he's the loudest person, you know, ever. He's, he's vocal. He's not afraid to tell you, um, you know, what to do. If, if you're messing up, he'll be the first to get in your face and say, all right, hey, this is what you got to do. But it was, it was never negative. It was always just, you know, we need you to do this. Like you do your part and, um, hardest working guy, you know, I've ever been around. He's always in the gym. And I, I definitely look up to him for that. So, yeah, I owe him a lot. Just that development, that first year for me, and, and ever since then, just being the player I am now, um, just because he was always that guy that everyone knew was going to – you knew what you were getting out of Sam Merrill every night. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is – and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. 
Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Okay, so Nemi comes in and a like, dude from Portugal. But what's cool about your club is you got a bunch of guys that speak Portuguese, right? You said uh, Dogo, right? Diogo, yeah, Diogo. Uh, burrito, yeah. right? The yeah. bean burrito combo. I used to love that one. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. um, <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> oh, but yeah. but you had other dudes that that spoke spoke Portuguese. So now, but you didn't speak Portuguese, right? Nope. You speak any other language? English and and Nevada. That's it. That's about it. Just the two. Because <laughs> it is another language. You know, you know, you know, you know, things. I bet you know I, all, I said, different, all the different betting terms. You're talking. I, 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 I said myself, it is. You know what? How to talk. Okay, but so this this dude gets there from Portugal, right? And all these guys are speaking Portuguese in the locker room. What was that in first interaction like? It was weird. It was weird. I, I, it was pretty amusing though. Like I would just catch myself just kind of listening and just kind of staring at the two of them. Cause it was there whenever they speak together, Portuguese, it was always loud. It was never just a casual conversation. They were always yelling at each other about something. Um, and so I couldn't tell you what they were talking about, but they definitely were passionate. And, uh, it was really good for both of them to have that because they definitely, uh, I think they, they used it to their advantage and being able to, to learn English together and, and Diogo, he he spoke really good English um, when he first got there. And Nimi, it was it was harder for him. It was an adjustment. So, but he took some classes. And and I mean, you talk with him now, it's like you wouldn't even suspect, you know, anything else. He's a really good good speaker now. So, um, okay, what's it like to go from where you were your first year, your coach gets fired, to winning a league championship? Like that is, and it happened fast too. It wasn't like one of these like. You know, five years ago, we, it was like, bam, all of a sudden, you guys yeah. are Mountain West champions. What's that feeling like when you guys are cutting down nets after what it was like previously? It was it was surreal, to be honest. It was uh, coming in, we were picked ninth that year to, to finish in the league. And um, we always, I feel like we always had, had a chip on our shoulder, um, but it was never it was never about what anyone else said. It was literally just about what we could control. And Coach Smith preaches that. He's he's always saying, you know, control the controllables, you know, be the tougher team, um, you know, stay together. Just simple things that really, I think, um, went a long way in terms of just our success. And because uh, we didn't have a lot of experience that first year. I mean, you had Sam, um, Diogo, Quinn Taylor was, was a, a great veteran for us. But outside of that, you know, there's a lot of new guys coming in. So, I think uh, looking back on it, I think it's hard to choose which one, which championship I think was. was... Well, you got so many. You're just like, wow. You start no, to be like, you're like Tom Brady. Two, let me clarify. Like Tom Brady. Well, you, yeah. I mean, like, look, you win, win one this year. Then you can get this year back. So you win next That's year. True. Then you play That's another true. year. Hey, I'd be a 25-year-old senior. That'd be. Uh, you yeah. would. <laughs> well, you have them all the time. It's true. That's true. It's true. But no, yeah, it's, it's amazing, honestly. I. I would have told you you're crazy if you had told me that that we'd come in there and and do what we did, you know, after everything before knowing Coach Smith, before you know interacting with him and seeing what he was about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, like, look, I grew up in Southern California, and and back when they were a dominant team in the Big West and and in the WAC, but when you when they first got in the league, it was like it was too much. Like the league was really really good, and you know they were a Big West and WAC level team, and it was too much, and 
you know, to, to go from there to all of a sudden rolling out pros. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you had two pros on a team. What, what was that like for, for Nemi last year? You guys, no one, people didn't know if he'd come back in his freshman year. Then he comes back, he's got a knee injury, so he's not right. Um, but he seems like kind of like you were one of those like positive forces, but was he, was he like that when you're like, man, maybe I should have gone pro instead of coming back. Well, he's, Nimi's always been super selfless and, uh, he just, that dude just loves to win. Um, and so I think his mindset after the injury, obviously he was, he was devastated. Um, he had big plans, you know, but I think, uh, when he, that dude was always just just in the gym, just just trying to get better. Um, but his mindset has always been just I'm a, I'm a team first guy. And you you say that's crazy, but it's that's true because of how talented he is. You you would think that you know, it's he really is the most selfless person. I mean, he he passes more out of the post than than anyone I've ever played with. And that dude could score at will if you wanted to. But he's always been about making the right play. And so I think for him that that definitely hopefully scouts and, and coaches see that. Um, that he's never been about himself, but that he's willing to do whatever it takes to get to the next level. And I think he, he's definitely proven that. So whether or not, you know, he's, he still hasn't said anything officially about what he's going to do after this year, but we all support him and, and we know he's going to, you know, do whatever is, is best for him. So, okay. So BYU and Utah hate each other, right? And it was so ugly. They stopped playing each other. Where is Utah state in that? Like, do you guys, are you guys good with the Utah guys or do you hate, does everybody hate you? Like how does, give me the whole beehive steak. Is it, I don't even want to get into Weber and Utah Valley and those, some of those other, and, and Dixie. Okay. I just right, want to right. talk about those, those uh, between those two don't like each other. That yeah. is well documented. Where yeah. is Utah state in that mix? Um, I couldn't tell you how other schools view us. I'm not really sure. Um, but I think in terms of, I mean, we definitely want to be the best team in Utah each year. So those games are, are huge. They're definitely rivalry games. And obviously we have a, a streak. We've got a break here with BYU. It's been a long time since we've beaten those guys and uh, haven't played Utah for a couple of years. So, um, yeah, but anytime we play those guys, it's definitely the, the tensions are high. Uh, but there's no actual like personal beef. You know, I don't think any of our guys really talk to them at all. I think one time last summer, I think a few guys had a little run with some Utah Valley guys, like a summer run, just playing pickup. But that's about it, honestly. You probably have to ask Stephen Ashworth that question, being from Lone Peak. I bet. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a, yeah, Lone Peak guy. Those guys, those are all those BYU probably, guys. Probably knows. Yeah. Yeah. What is the deal with all you guys having the fresh cuts? Like literally everybody. <laughs> now you, it's all, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, Without. I made a mistake when I was in college, back when I had really good hair. I'd like cut it myself or have somebody I've else. I've seen it. it. It was fresh. It was fresh. It was, it was well, it was, it was full. It was very full. Um, <laughs> full and fresh. Yes. Right. But, but you guys, like, it's like a team thing. Sam, I think that's Sam's leadership, I think. It is. That Sam is always clean, clean it neck, is. clean hair. Or is it the Mormon missionary thing? Well, it's funny you say that because Coach Smith last week or a couple of weeks ago, he's like, man, what? He was asking the same thing you were. He's like, what's with all these, these, return missionary cuts that's what he that's what he calls them the rm cuts <laughs> so great minds think alike but uh no i think it's just it could be a culture thing um i've never done my hair any other way being from oklahoma so maybe i maybe i get a pass being from oklahoma but i don't know man it's uh i know brock miller definitely takes pride in in, in being bald and he's never been about it yeah that whole for a while there the whole staff was bald right yeah you yeah know? the cameraman couldn't even get it right 
Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. They were flashing on different three different guys. Got to coach them. Okay, so you also have this intangible ability, and I think a lot of BYU guys have this too. You have it, but also the way you play. Somebody wants to fight you almost every game. Now I think that's a gift. My brother coached a cow. There was a dude named Jorge Gutierrez. Jorge played in the NBA for a long time. He's playing in Mexico now. And uh, he was at, you ever heard of Finley Prep? You know, like the the prep school in Henderson. Okay. So my brother gets an assistant job. He's at San Diego State. He gets an assistant job at Cal. And he's like, all right, I got to get, I got to get a player from Finley. Now I'm at Pac-10. I can hear the recruit. So he goes there and the coaches are like, he's looking at like Tristan Thompson is there. And all these other guys like, you want a player? Take the Mexican kid. And he had a long ponytail. And he's terrible, like just to look at, does not yeah. look like a ball player, right? Well, it's like, why do I want him? They're like, well, here's the thing. Anytime yeah. we play a game, his team wins. And anytime we play a game, somebody other team wants to fight him. And if watch, yeah. he became Pac-12 player of the year at Cal. But every game he played, somebody wanted to fight him. Dudes mm-hmm. want to fight you because you just play hard. You just mm-hmm. you never stop playing hard. You never stop rebounding. You're always moving. Yeah. And so – there has to be like, do you ever have this? Like, you're hearing guys want to fight you. Do you ever stop and catch in your truck? You're like, I'm playing hard. How often? Do you- I'm, uh, against Nevada, I had a couple of dudes say I was a psycho. <laughs> They're like, Peter, psycho, man. So, but it's always been in, in a term of endearment. It's you gotta give like, crazy look like, who you calling psycho? Who you calling psycho? <laughs> I, know, I should. I'm just like, damn yeah, it. You call the voices? Are the voices in my head? You totally mess with something. I'm saying, I know, I need to. Next game, I will for sure. I'll, I'll get some back. But, uh, no, I've never been that kind of guy to just, you know, talk back. But I've always kind of taken it with a grain of salt. Just been like, yeah. Do man. you notice it, though? Because I notice oh, it watching. Sure. Guys, look, sure. guys look at you like, this guy. But for part sure. of it is you just play so hard. For sure, 100%. Yeah, I'm going to make it as hard on you as I can. If, if you're my matchup, then, then yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it, you know, miserable for you. Or at least try to. Because I think it, it doesn't only give me an edge. But I think, you know, my teammates see that and they're – it's kind of that gator mentality. So we all just are locked into that. It's it's weird. The you guys being on the bubble is weird to me because mm. you know, I and and I know everybody that covers the conference. Like here's you if you watch TV, everybody shows for the conference they cover. You know, like, oh, oh, let me tell you, the ACC should get fifty teams in. Oh, right. Yeah. And I watch with an open mind. And I'm like, you swept San Diego State. Obviously lost to Boise, mm-hmm. but you didn't have Raleigh. And Boise's good, right? Like they're legit good. They're a hard matchup for you because they play so small and spread you out. Um, uh, and I, though I understand previous years shouldn't play a factor. Uh-huh. Like, this is a tournament team from the last two years. Granted, you don't have Sam Merrill, but right. like you have right. all these other dudes. Mm-hmm. What is it like when people seem to overlook how good your team feels like you are and how well you're playing? Yeah, um, it's a good question. We, again, we uh, we believe in each other. We know we we believe we're a tournament team. That's for sure. And at the end of the day, it's it's we just have to keep our eyes, you know, on on the prize, and that's winning a conference championship. And and that's not to say that that's been just to get an auto bid. Like we just want to we just want to win the league, man. We just want to three years in a row to be, be crazy, the best team, right? Would it would that'd be that'd be insane? Uh, I think the last team that did that was what New Mexico, maybe yeah, like early twenty. Yeah, no, I was but, I did that game, but did that game when they went and they lost to Harvard. Was oh they, in the first yeah. round? Was that was Alford there yeah. at the yeah. time? Or? 
They had uh, Bearstow's oh. brother. Yeah, that's right. Cameron Bearstow. And yeah. he was the four, and then they had a big center, and Harvard went small, and they never adjusted. He never went small to match up with them. Really? And they got, they got beat. Yeah. It was the craziest. Harvard's first ever win. I call that game. It was nuts. And that New Mexico team was legit. Really, really good. They were, they were really good. The, the league was really good then. San Diego State was good. Uh, Wyoming was yeah. good. Josh Adams was at Wyoming. Um, and then who else was good? Uh, oh, Vegas was good. Vegas was talented. Oh, they're good. They're talented. So, yeah. But yeah, I think we just, we take it a day at a time and we're always just trying to, to get better. I know that's probably the most cliche you can say, but, um, it's true. Like we just care about getting better, um, and then taking it one game at a time. So coach Smith, you know, he said today, you know, we just, we just gotta be three teams. Like I know there's 11 in this league. Um, it could be easy to look at what other teams are doing, especially in the, in the tournament, but we just kind of focus on UNLV and, and go from there. So. And UNLV is one of the teams that beat you, and uh, you know, which huh? is crazy considering how well you played the next game when, right. when you when you played Vegas. All right, last question. Then you got it. You, I mean, you you got, got stuff to do. Yeah. Right. Got okay. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, now you get your desserts. Now you can eat your desserts. Now you can right. eat all the desserts you want. I can. You, yeah. you know, you get, go to everybody's house and eat their desserts. <laughs> what is your favorite dessert, by the way? Cheesecake, hundred percent. Strawberry cheesecake. No hesitation. No, no, good. You don't like it? Answer. You didn't have to. Didn't have to oh. think about it. <laughs> peanut oh. butter and jelly. What's your peanut butter and jelly ratio? Like peanut butter to jelly. Um, I would probably say, ooh, that's a good question. Are we going in terms of like we split it up in like thirds or? Well, I don't know. Do you do do you do the diagonal cut or do that halfway cut or do you go in fourths? Like when you're five <laughs> years old, you got to cut I mean, in quarters. So tell me. I mean, I'm, wheat bread or white. I mean, I, wheat bread now. I go wheat bread now. I'm, I try to be healthy. I know you're gonna roll your eyes. You do look like a white bread. I mean, it's, it's too <laughs> cliche to go. A Mormon kid from look like a white does white bread, right? Yeah, it does. you would think. I'm really an uncrustable guy. That's that's what I am. I do what? I just I'm an uncrustable guy. You know the uncrustables that they sell yeah. in the freezer, frozen yeah. section. Yeah. So whatever yeah. ratio that is, there's probably a little more jelly. So you buy pre-made now. peanut butter and jelly. Pre-made. Yeah, man. Somebody I gotta who say, works as hard as you, I would think that a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is just like the easiest thing to whip up. No, no, it's it's really not. I mean, I, I got to get to the gym. I gotta gotta get my workouts in. Is that so, your kill me small t shirt? It definitely is. Oh, great, great shirt. Top three, top three movie right there. Top. What are the other two? The other two are Glory Roads, number one, no doubt, and then. Uh, Glory yeah, Road, more, more than remember the remember the Titans. Remember the That's, Titans. Than Glory Road. It, it, I mean, I'm a basketball guy though, but I, it is, it is. Glory Road, yeah, I would say so. Okay, get one, Jimmy. I mean, listen, I, you're allowed I to have your opinion. Your opinion can be right. I, you're allowed to have your opinion. Where, where, where does Hoosiers stack up? I'm curious. Where does it stack up on yours? Well, Hoosiers is a better basketball movie okay. than Glory Road. Glory Road's a better. Glory Road's a better I like more the, poignant story. Right? Yeah, and it's I'm good. A problem with I'm that one is, so I've watched all these with my son. My son's like, "Dad, why are we watching? Why do first he doesn't understand? He's like, why didn't people like black people? I don't understand." I was like, "I don't either." And then, but then we, you know, we watched the Remember the Titans. We watched that one. One other one we watched too, and and he was like, "Enough of the movies for people that were people don't like black people. I can't watch them." <laughs> yeah. anymore. I was like, oh, "All right, we're done God. with that." No, but he loves yeah. we, we like we're a, we're more of a Hoosiers family. Part of it is, have you ever yeah. been to Hinkle? I've not been. No. Never so have. if you guys get to the tournament, you could right. play in Hinkle, right? Mm-hmm. That's Which right. is it's the best. 
I'm telling you, it's the coolest place. You so feel you, like you're in the 1920s. You're like, this is really cool. How the town is set up? or No, how the arena is set up. Oh, the arena. Okay, okay. Yeah. So they redid it. So if you watch Hoosiers, they read it. It's much nicer than it used to be. But it's still very, uh, it has this like overhang with stands behind the, each basket and then has these beautiful windows. It's magnificent. It's right. really, it's it's a cathedral more than than it's an, yeah. an, an arena. Okay, yeah. so what are the, so Glory Road, what were the other two? The other two, so yeah, Glory Road, Remember the Titans, and then Sandlot. Although, that's great. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's, good. it's a good list. Strong. Good one. I'm a golf guy too, though. So, I mean, greatest game ever Tim, played, underrated. More than 10 Cup. I like Tin Cup. Tin Cup. Uh, I'm gonna get to see that one. You never seen Tin Cup? There's some. Your 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 eyes may have to avert. There's some. <laughs> there's some Renee Russo. Okay, I could be, I could be why. I could be why. But uh-huh. it is good. I mean, and the winds of West Texas. You'll feel like a little bit of home Oklahoma, whatever. Yeah, no doubt. There, Okay, so uh, he, here's what I want to ask. Because I joked on the broadcast about ten years from now, you'd be playing church ball and no one want to guard you. Uh-huh. Ten years from now. Justin Bean will be where doing what? TBD. Um, but at this point, I've always, <laughs> to me, it's, I've never really had like a, when I was growing up, it was never, I'm going to play college basketball or I'm going to go to the NBA. It was, it was always just, I'm going to get better today and then see what tomorrow brings. And I, I think in terms of basketball, <clears throat> in terms of life, I have a couple options. I have a couple of things that I want to do and Go. still kind of still figuring it out, but I would, I would like to play in the NBA. Uh, I think I've obviously still got some things to, to improve on. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited for, um, just this next off season, um, just being able to just define different areas of my game. I want to become, you know, a better shooter. And that's, that's probably the biggest thing I think for me right now. Um, and then everything else I think is will, will fall in place, but yeah, I would like to play professionally. NBA would be would be amazing. Um, I haven't thought about playing overseas. I just think with me, I think wanting to start a family, raise a family, I, I feel like for me personally, not speaking other language, that would be more difficult. Um, so I'd, I'd want to stay in the States. But if the NBA, if something happens, then I'd, I'd want to be a podiatrist because that's what my dad does. He's a foot and ankle doctor. So I could take is, over the practice. Is a, is a podiatrist a doctor? Like uh, Surgeon. Okay, I'll say he does surgery. So I... I, I'm not going to argue with you on that, but, but yeah. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just, I, it's office, you know, like a chiropractor. <laughs> no, you're not. A doctor, right. Okay? You're, right. Just, you're just not. You crack backs. Okay. Don't get right. me wrong. It's yeah, yeah, a yeah. needed profession. For sure. And, sure. and you have foot problems, you know, you got neuromas, you got nerves. Okay. You got, I mean, they're, uh, you're, you're needed. But you're needed. my whole thing is the one thing is like somebody's choking in an airplane. They say, is there a doctor here? Podiatrist doesn't help. I'm going, I gotcha. Right, but foot surgeon <laughs> right, right. is 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 a little different. Well, I'll okay. tell you this. Okay, this is my honest. Obviously, everybody would tell you the shooting, but okay. uh, my brother has a saying: that says make them make them pay to see what you don't do. Right, because what a pro does is a pro does what they do and doesn't do what they can't do. And there, you have two definable traits that other people don't have. Mm-hmm. One, you play hard every time you step on the court. And not everybody plays hard. That's just a fact. And two, you're tough. And all of those guys that that make it. And I was doing this. I was having this conversation. Who was I having this conversation with? Uh, 
Oh, let's have this conversation with Wes Miller, the UNC Greensboro coach. And he's got a kid, Isaiah Miller, who's the star in that league. And he he can't really shoot. And I said, you know, if you look at the backup point guards, but I had this with Andrew Bogut on my, on my pod, right? Delhi, right? Delhi's slow. Yeah. Kind of hairy. Right. (laughs) Great off a ball screen. But what Delhi is, is he's tougher than a $2 steak. Right. And in order to make it here, overseas, whatever, you know, you got to be able to live in a house where you got rats, mm-hmm. you know, you got to, you just got to be tougher than other people. And lots of guys think they're tough and they may be from tough backgrounds, but they don't play tough. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, you have two definable traits that other people don't have. And you can't, you can't, and I, I coach little kids, you can make them tougher, but you can't make them tough. Mm-hmm. You know, part of it is your little brother, but part of it is just something inherently in you. Right. And I don't know where you get that amount of energy from in terms of playing hard. But those two things, they have value to people because, look, dude, you're never going to start. You're probably never going to start a game in the NBA. But on a Wednesday night in Minnesota, mm-hmm. when everybody else is like, man, let's just get through this thing. Mm-hmm. And they come down to the bench and they say, Bean, you're in. Everybody, know, you know what you're going to get, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get a hard playing dude that rebounds, puts back. And I've, I've never seen anything like what, what you can bring to the table. It's, it's a real, it, it's, a, it's a gift. So don't get caught. Like, do you want to work on the shooting? Of course, mm-hmm. because if you can just knock down open shots, right. with regularity, you'll make it. But even if you don't, like, don't get locked. Because I was a guy who couldn't shoot. Right, I played off me. I couldn't shoot, and would get into my. I have to shoot. I have to show them I could shoot. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't. Just go play. Yeah. You, know, you play with that jump shot for your whole college career. Like, and because you have those definable traits, and you know who you are. Because that's like the yeah. the secret to basketball is the same secret to life. Got to know who you are. And you know who you are. And so that's mm-hmm. why you're going to be successful in life and basketball and whatever. Hey, man, I've taken up way too much of your time. We started on the bus well in the hotel room in Vegas. Um, <laughs> it's obviously high, high end stuff. Uh, I appreciate that. I really thank do. you for your time. And I wish you, you nothing but success this year and look forward to talking to the offseason. Appreciate it, Doug. It means a lot, man. Thanks for taking the time. See, I told you love that. And if you watch Utah State play, and I think right now, when I looked at the bubble stuff with Duke out, obviously, uh, Utah State's going to be in. Um, Boise lost. Um, Kijab didn't play, and they lost to Nevada. That's the second time they lost to Nevada. I was there the first time they lost to Nevada. Nevada's got a couple of really good players. Desmond Cambridge is a kid who's from Nashville. Not a lot of offers went to Brown. Was an all Ivy League kid at Brown. And now he's in Nevada. And then they have, um, uh, then um, they're just, they're fun. And Steve Alford's done a great job, great job in a short period of time. Look, Nevada is, is a hard matchup for them because they're so different than how kind of Boise plays, right? Boise plays uh, occasionally with their big guy, but a lot of times they play you know, like, like no big. So I, I do get why Boise lost. And I also think that, that (laughs) Boise's loss in Nevada only shows how good Utah state is because I did two straight Utah state Nevada games and um, what they did to Grant Shearfield and Grant Shearfield had what 26 and three and two, what they did, what, what Utah state did to Grant Shearfield with Marco Anthony 
who's a transfer from Virginia, guarding him, six foot four. He couldn't do anything with him. Sherfield's really good. Kicks everybody's ass in that league, except Utah State. So um, I think Utah State's real. I think they're really good. They didn't have Riley Worcester. It's a tough matchup when they played up in Boise. They lost those games. I still think Boise is an NCAA tournament team, but all these losses are adding up, and they may end up getting left out. That does happen. But talent-wise, coaching-wise, they're right there. And it's like, who are we going to put it? We have to put these teams in. And I think Syracuse is going to get in this year. I don't think they have especially impressive wins, and I don't like this. Well, they didn't lose by that much, so whatever. But I think Duke bowing out helps them. Um, I don't know what to make of Louisville if they're any good. I expect them to be better. Obviously, Carly Jones is legit. He's legit. Well, UCLA seems to be playing their way out. They'll get in, but they're kind of playing their way out. But here's kind of my one thought that I wanted to leave you with. I tweeted this and then I took it down because what happens with Twitter, you get like one or two people who lose their mind. I was watching Iowa State play and I've known Steve Prohm a long time. He was actually my host when I visited the University of Alabama. It's a true story. Um, And I think you can actually download and listen to that podcast, but he's a really good dude. So Steve Prohm did not forget how to coach, right? They went over the big 12. He didn't forget how to coach. And when you look at his roster, you have several guys who are transfers who got their previous coach fired. And there's something to that. Now, look, I'm a transfer and in truth, and I told all of you this, that my leaving Notre Dame because I got in trouble began John, the ultimate ultimately coach coach mcleod getting fired because he couldn't feel that he couldn't feel that 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 scholarship jimmy Dillon uh took my scholarship after i left and they were good and i mean this is obviously ego not really in check i do think that the pieces that we added ultimately we would have gotten the ncaa tournament ultimately he would have kept his job they also didn't let him take transfers that hurt him. Then he gets fired and they let Matt Doherty take a transfer, right? Humphrey, the first day he's on the job, right? So <clears throat> anyway, I'm somebody who I've gotten a coach fired before. You know, it was a couple of years later, but I do believe me getting in trouble got him fired. But when you have a team full of dudes whose previous coaches all got fired at some point, it's not the current coach. Now, it is the current coach's fault for putting too many of too many players that aren't winning players on your roster. That's a, that's a, that is coaching. That is recruiting. That is part of being a college coach, but I think it's real. And I think in this transfer culture, you gotta be really careful who you take because coaches so often bitch about the guys that got away. I almost had him the runner for him. We should have got a hit. He should have come here when it's the guys on your roster. That's all that really matters. Not the guys that aren't. Make sense? Okay, good. Uh, my, my thanks to Utah State again for letting me get Justin Bean. My reminder to you that you should download, subscribe, and rate. Oh, and, oh, yeah, by the way, listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 3 Pacific, on the iHeartRadio app, on Fox Sports Radio, and FoxSportsRadio.com. You can also listen to us on Sirius XM 203 for Sirius and 217 for XM. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.